everyone. This is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here on Conscious Business Zone with my new friend, Eva Medelik. Medelik? I think I did it right. (laughs) So I got to meet Eva um, when we did the Driven event with Suzanne Evans. And I was so impressed with her. She, there, there was a one page, um, flyer of hers inside the box, I think, or inside, yeah, inside the paperwork. And I was so impressed because I have a corporate background also, and I also have segwayed segwayed into this uh, owning my own business and helping other people have high performance. But, but I know there's so much more I could learn. And so I, I right away thought you were a sister from another mother. <laughs> so, so how did you get into um, cultural diversity training and high performance coaching? Because um, right now, the reason why I was so excited you said yes to come is I think everyone needs this. We it's hard to keep a positive attitude and keep motivated right now. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's just so much going on um, that affects us emotionally. And we, we think we always need to have a positive attitude about it, but sometimes we just need to, to be in the feelings and the emotions of it and, and process and, and, and discover what those feelings are and, and why we're having them. But to answer your question, how I got into high performance coaching, uh, it was basically because I was not living my life as a high performer. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you a quick story to support that. About 12 years ago, I had a really great job in San Francisco as a dental hygienist. And um, I was newly married. I was preparing for my 50th birthday when my boss called me into her office to tell me that I was being downsized to part-time and my salary reduced. And that really knocked me for a loop because I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners and yourself, sometimes we feel like we're dependent on a job, even when that job makes us, us miserable. And I took that as a sign that the universe is like, now is the time to take action towards your dreams and maybe dream bigger or find a dream or something because you've been in this profession for over 30 years and do you really want to be an employee for the rest of your life? Wow. So um, I took that to as a sign, as a kick in the butt, and I became an entrepreneur and built a real estate investment company. But I was also still working as I was building a business, right? You know, a lot of us have the side hustles, not like we can quit our jobs, burn the boats, if you will. Yeah. And, um, you know, all of a sudden have a successful business. It took a minute. And, um, you know, you might be old enough to remember this, this commercial from, I think it was late 1970s, early 1980s, where this woman comes out. It was a perfume commercial that depicted the ultimate, ultimate successful woman. And she comes out in all these different outfits singing, I can bring home the bacon yeah. the pan and never, never, never let you forget your man. Cause I'm a woman. And the tagline was, I'll never forget it. Anjali, the eight hour perfume for the 24 hour woman. So basically we're expected to work 24 hours a day, but at least we'll smell good as we work ourselves <laughs> to death, right? Well, well, that's, you know, that that's part of all of this is how do you um, the conversation I had right before I was on here. It's about self-love. It's how do you have the boundaries to say, no, 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 I need to recharge my battery. Um, But but we're givers. We're givers. And, um, you know, what I found was happening is that I was trying to emulate that woman. I was um, working full time as a hygienist. I was building my business, my real estate investment company, but I was also a wife, a mom, and I was also doing all the cooking, the shopping, the laundry, all of it. I thought I was superwoman, but I was also burnt out, stressed out, overwhelmed, and exhausted all of the time to the point where my health was affected my mood. I was always tired, complaining about being tired, little Miss Cranky Pants. And 
Actually, <laughs> my relationship with my husband became affected. Our communication became kind of short, snippy, and impatient. But like most busy people, I thought we had time, right? I was thinking, well, as soon as the business gets to a certain level, as soon as we make a certain amount of money, as soon as we own a certain amount of properties, then we'll have time to spend with each other and work on our relationship. And what happened for me was, you know, a lot of us have as soon as disease, right? All of the excuses in our lives. But as soon as came for me when I accidentally discovered that my husband was having an affair and I realized that I was in danger of losing everything. Wow. And, you know, how many of us go around thinking that, you know, and we're saying this, I'm working this hard and I'm hustling, you know, for, for my spouse, for my kids, for my family, for our future. And yet we're spending very little time with the things that mattered most to us. And so, you know, long story short, my husband and I, you know, we built a new relationship out of the ashes of the old one. And, um, you know, we worked on our personal development, right? Because Kathy, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. And um, I stopped underperforming in my life. And I started living a high performance life, which means, and it's different from high achieving. So don't hear high achieving. I'm still a high achiever, but I'm no longer working myself to death. And high, uh, high performance is basically succeeding consistently, having those consistent habits of success over the long term while maintaining health, while maintaining happy well-being and happy relationships. And I became certified as a high performance coach because high performance saved my life and my marriage, and I now can have success without the sacrifice. So that's where the high performance came in. Because what I did for what my husband and I were able to create in the personal development that I personally experienced through high performance was that I realized the habits that I currently had were contributing to the stress and the breakdown in my marriage and my relationship. And so I had to learn another way of doing things. I didn't have to give up my dream. You know, I wasn't burnt out by what I was doing, but I was burnt out by how I was doing it. Right. So that became important. And um, the second part of your question talked about the cultural inclusivity. Like, you know, it was really catalyzed by uh, George Floyd's murder. I was in a position where I was really grieving over what was happening in our world and our politics and our society. And, and I, you know, witnessed a modern day lynching and it affected me so profoundly. And what I noticed was uh, white-bodied allies were really trying hard to help. And they were getting canceled by saying the wrong things or saying the right things, the wrong things, or the wrong things the right way, or however you want to call it. I saw this cancel culture happening, and I thought that I could be a bridge to help allies of underserved communities, if you will, you know, and create a safe space for people to listen and learn and become aware of a lot of uh, historical black injust injustices on black and brown and immigrants in general in this country and learn more because it's not really taught at this level in the schools. And I created a Facebook group. I did a, a, a three-hour live forum. We had almost 700 people register for it. And out of it came my book, the intimacy of race, like everything that I um, did to help people just know how they can be better allies for underserved communities and minoritized folks and how to create safe spaces within their communities, within their families, and learn how to communicate with one another so that everyone feels seen, heard, and acknowledged. And that's became, that became a supportive kind of leg to high performance as well. Well, I, lo I love the combination of all this. So, okay, so I'm going to go back to performance and then we'll come back to. Yes, yes, of course. But, but um, performance, um, I think as women, we have a different model of um, 
of standards that we set for ourselves. And then we've got this um, angel and devil <laughs> on either side. And the angel's going, honey, that was good. Good job, good job. And the, and the devil's going, nope, you could have done better. Where, where's the next thing who, you know, it, it, it's the driver. How do you combine both of them to get results? Because performance is about results. So it's, um, I did a three year, I think it was three years. I worked with Kellen Fluckinger and he has a thing called the results equation. And what it was is it was basically a way to um, plan out 90 days hmm. and hold yourself accountable. And it was amazing. It was amazing just that act of um, being honest and accountable to myself because, because we'll make plans. And even if you have an accountability partner or a coach, they, you know, you do everybody else's stuff first. Yeah. And unfortunately, a, a lot of people fall into that trap that we're working on other people's priorities and projects. And, you know, I, I do a thing in, in, in my program where we look where those those patterns come from. So we spend the first hour and a half, if you will, building that foundation. Like, where did you find this this need to um what habits oh. did you develop that are now sabotaging the results, your outcome uh, in, in what you want to create? And I created a quiz. It's a relationship style assessment quiz with the five styles, S-T-Y-L-E. You either seek to please, you try to control, you look to accept blame, or you kind of vacillate back and forth between um, uh, uh excitement and disappointment, or you're an evader. You avoid things, you avoid emotions, you avoid hard things, you avoid that feeling. And so, you know, based on our early life experiences, we came up with, we come up with a, a pre predominantly stronger style that drives mm -hmm. some of the habits that may say, you know what, not me, I'll take care of this first, or we'll put things off, or we need to control everything and tell everybody what to do. So whatever your thing is, I work a lot with pleasers, yo-yos, and evaders. Those are um, the primary styles that are ambitious in in life and business, but have these what I call self-sabotaging habits. And so what we do is we get clear, find that thread, get clear on what those habits are that aren't moving us forward in our our um vision, values, and goals. But the number one thing is I call it my CPR was you have to get clear on what you do want. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have this shiny object syndrome, especially entrepreneurs. Ooh, that sounds like a good idea. I'll try that. You know, we all want to make money and be successful. Ooh, let me try this. Ooh, let me try this. Ooh, let me try this. And so we're kind of all over the place or we fall into distraction. So we have to get clear on what we want what makes us happy, get clear on what brings us joy, get clear on what, um, where we're not happy in our lives, where we're not performing. So it's like the, that clear honesty. And then we need to prioritize um, and get clear on what our priorities are because there have been studies that shown that people who are not clear on their priorities are actually 30 times less likely to have success, they'll miss out on it altogether. Wow. And so once you get clear on, let's just say with me, it was um, writing the book. I wanna write a book, this is my intention, this is what it's for, I'm gonna get clear and I'm going to spend a certain number of times a day working on it. And that is my priority for the next, I'll say three weeks just for the, the argument, like an hour a day which means that I, I build a boundary. That's an R, CPR. Uh, I am responsible for setting a boundary around that time that I set aside for my priority, which means that if something else happens other than emergencies, because life is full of emergencies, but if someone says, hey, Eva, can you da-da-da-da-da, I ask myself, is this gonna contribute 
and move forward what my priority is for this week? Or is it going to pull me further away? Perfect. And so I just ask a simple question. Is this going to bring me closer to my vision goals, priorities? Is it part of the bigger picture or is it a kind of side hustle distraction? And so, you know, I, I don't, I, I do, I did learn how to say, <laughs> I can speak today. I can't, I do learn how to say no often, but I also, I often say, you know, if I'm not available, um, is there any other way I could support you? Because that time doesn't work for me. Perfect. But I do have time, you know, next Tuesday at two. Um, so it doesn't mean that I'm not helpful and I'm not completely uh, selfish and not in contribution, but I do prioritize me first. And that's what it looks like. It's that's not- fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about vision boards? Because you did talk about setting up your goals and, and knowing what priorities you have. So, mm-hmm. so I have a list every day and, um, and, and, uh, and I get great satisfaction of putting a check. <laughs> I know. I think that's our generation, Kathy. I do. Like, I, do. I, I love like, yep. I mean, um, yeah. And, and mine is in, you know, I have my priorities that I must have done by the end of the day, but I also have, you know, by five on Friday, I want every, you know, all these little things done. And, um, yeah. and then yeah. next week, Sunday night, we, you know, I plan the the following week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so have, what do you think about vision boards? You have these beautiful things in the background that have words on them. So obviously you do like have, being surrounded with inspiration. Yeah, my vision board is on this side of my office. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you do use them. Yeah. It's just not the color. It doesn't match the decor for Zoom. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. We're, we're all about branding and color coordinating. Yeah. Or, well, yeah, my, my red guy doesn't either, but it was Chinese New Year and that's oh, a beautiful. So, yeah. I, so I, but all of my clients and my vision board are over there. My clients are placed in little hearts on a, on a giant post-it. And, you know, and I get to set my intention around each of them there. And then I haven't done 2023 yet. But what my husband and I do at the end of, each year is we write out our goals for our business, for our personal, for our relationship and for our personal self. I have my own on there. I was like, I want to take knitting classes. I'm that's in front of me. So like I'm surrounded, Uh, (laughs) you know, uh, I want to, you know, at this age, I want to make sure my hormones are balanced and have better hormone support, take knitting classes and learn Qigong. So those are some personal things that I have going on. Then we have, you know, my husband and I run the real estate investment business together. So we have goals for that. And I could tell you, we're only in February and I'm crossing off some things on those goals already, which is awesome. Fantastic. (laughs) I think statistically, a lot of people don't, um, by by the end of January, they've already blown off their new year's resolutions. So, so obviously that was, that's why this was a perfect time to um, have you on to really think about what you want to create and holding that um, around you as a repetitive um it's almost like programming yourself for success right yeah yeah and i mean that's why i think you know i have you know habits that create energy for me mental emotional and physical um and part one of those habits which is a high performance habit is a morning routine. And so my morning routines are so intentional. They, they do change and shift, whether it's more physical or more mental or more emotional. Uh-huh. And so I had, had surgery a few months ago, so I can't really get back into the physical just yet, but my morning routine really sets me up for preparedness and and not to have a stressful day or at least reduce the amount of stress and deal with it 
and I set myself up with, you know, intention and, and meditation and reading and gratitude and everything that's included in my morning routine that includes, you know, a cold shower as well. So all of that is kind of part of it. But as a high performer, which a lot of people don't realize that morning routine, literally, if you were to use it as a metaphor, it's like filling up your tank with gas to start today and then trying to drive cross country on that same tank and never stopping. So with high performance, the ha- we have little habits throughout the day that I call uh, energy generating habits or refilling your tank. I mean, if you look at the analogy of NASCAR, right, how those cars are racing and racing and racing at like dangerously high speeds, trying to not only win the race, but not crash and burn in the process. And I remember, I don't know if you ever had this thought, if you ever saw a race and not that I'm a racing fan, cause I'm not, but when I would see the lead car get off and for a pit stop when nothing was wrong with the car. And I used to wonder like, aren't they gonna fall behind and lose if they stop now? Cars are gonna pass them up. I don't even know how those laps work. <laughs> and you know, that's how we think about our lives and our businesses, but those drivers, know that if they don't stop before the tire blows and before they're out of gas or before, you know, the oil, the oil gets sludgy or spark plugs, I don't know about cars, you know, they do it for maintenance proactively so that they can keep racing at high performance at full speed and they don't crash and burn. We don't do that with our lives and our bodies. We eat when we're hungry. We don't eat for performance to avoid getting hungry and experiencing that crash. When we're tired and yawning and can't do anymore, then I was like, I need to stop. I need a break. What if you took strategic pit stops throughout your day Perfect. so that you can end your day feeling as energetic as you started it when you started your morning routine? Uh-huh. And these little breaks are like, my calendar is set up. And I have 15 minute little intervals between appointments. I very, very rarely, only on exception, have back to back to back. But, you know, I can leisurely use the bathroom, get some water, chase the dog, sit and quiet my mind and do a release meditation technique all within five or 10 minutes. And then I'm ready for the next client, the next interview, the next speaking engagement, like whatever that is. And I'm not cranky with my husband anymore. <laughs> well, I I love all of this. Um, I kind of have a reward system for myself. Like it's absolutely beautiful here today, and it's supposed to snow tonight. Where are you? I'm in Colorado. Oh, beautiful! And so, and so I know I'm gonna do all I have to do, and then go take a. My reward is the walk, which will energize me as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so, okay. So you do do vision boards. What, what do you see in your clients is the biggest, um, and, and of course, I don't want you to use names or anything, but, but I'm, I'm wondering how to help elevate the, the audience. Mm-hmm. This audience is a servant leader. They um, are spending a lot of time spending um, and energy and hard time. Um, taking care of their customers and their employees. Mm-hmm. And so the the idea of this show is to give them resources so they can take care of themselves and find the right person, the right um, healers and energy workers and coaches and books to read and all that. So we do all of the content curation here yeah. and, and then make the resources visible. And so what what are you seeing? Because there's probably someone who's going to listen to this that's going to go, ah, she she knows what I'm going through. Because you and I both have been through not corporate America, but I mean, I have been through corporate America. Um, but that kind of model where you can never do enough, um, the stress and if you're sensitive the stress of everyone around you, the fear is the energy, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So, so I know you've, you've taken the healthier road. 
you and you're joyful. About I was it. I was forced to, you know. I mean, it was really a mobilizing event when you think about it. Yeah. You know, I was about to lose my marriage. I was about to lose. If you lose your marriage, then you you lose your house. You lose all your properties. You've got to split up everything. Like everything, yeah. I was working so hard to build the wealth I was building. I was in danger of losing it all, mm. but I was also experiencing like I would have had a broken heart and a broken life yeah. if I didn't change who I was being as I was building. Well, if I would have met you uh, twenty-eight years ago, I would have learned. <laughs> been a hot mess too. I did. <laughs> I did lose it all. I lost a million-dollar business, and I had a little six-year-old. And lost the house, lost everything. So you had to start all over. So yeah, no, I I know I know what you're saying, and I salute you that you did the hard work. Um, in my case, it wasn't a possibility to do the. Uh, I mean, your husband obviously still had a connection to you, whereas mine didn't. He had already yeah. found somebody else, and they he came to me with her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, there, there's so many scenarios to that. I just, um, you know, for me personally, one of the first things I did when I found out was was to look at me and the type of person that I was becoming oh. with all of this ambition, with all of this work ethic, with all of the fear around I'm already 50 and this was 12 years ago, right? I'm already 50. I don't have as much time as somebody in their twenties and thirties to build a business from scratch. And I can't keep working in my job much longer because, you know, in the dental uh, profession, you know, we're hunched over people and back yeah. neck pain. My boss was a tyrant and I was miserable, but I needed the money because it was a good paying job. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I had to really stop and look at my choices and the effect it was having on my relationship. And so when you talk about what my clients are experiencing, a lot of them are experiencing a similar thing, whether it's, you know, building a side hustle or a side business or an Etsy, store, you know, like whatever it is, but with the ultimate goal of, replacing their income from their nine to five so that they lose the stress from that job. The second thing they want is like the courage to go out and find a new job in a new company culture that is not as stressful and doesn't have these demands on their time. But I have to say the number one thing, if I look at, you know, uh, the intake form that most of my Client for future clients, hopeful clients fill out before we even get on a call together <clears throat> is the relationship. They want to spend more time with their families. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be exhausted and overwhelmed and frustrated and worried and whatever other adjectives you want to be on it. They want to have that quality time with the people they're working so hard for. And they're noticing that their relationship, similar to what mine experienced, the communication was always you are exhausted and so how how can we show up as our best selves when we're both tired exhausted if there's little kids the kids are draining your energy um you know this thing is draining energy so you're constantly online you feel like you need to respond to requests right away and like i don't respond to anybody after six o'clock at night like that's my time with my family and you know I'll answer a call from my, my dad because he's my dad and personal, but work is shut off and That's good. I don't need to check and see who liked an Instagram post I did earlier. Like, like it's really being focused and spending quality time with their family energetically, not falling asleep on the couch watching Netflix because you're just so exhausted. Right, now, right. That used to be me. What are we going to watch on a Friday night after working the whole week? I want to watch the inside of my eyeballs. That's <laughs> literally what I'm going to watch. <laughs> there was nothing left. It's like it's like French fries, right? The whole week, everybody got the hot, juicy, crisp, you know, French fries of you and your family. By the time you get home, it's, it's like 
wait a minute, there's only the burnt cruddy pieces at the bottom. That's what we get of you left over. <laughs> I love that. Well, um, I the phone call I had before this, we were talking about boundaries. So that's you you keep bringing it up about um, how you define your life so that it serves everyone because um, you're not, you're, when you're in service doesn't mean you're a servant <laughs> and um and people but but that's part of the job of setting up the business relationship or the uh, new client in a correct way that you're you might be able to talk to them on emergencies but not to not count on them to find you all over the weekend at 10 o'clock at night mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what? I will, you know, I, I tend to be my most creative on Saturdays and Sundays. Oh, uh-huh. And I will I will send things out. I have to start scheduling more. But I'm not expecting anybody to respond to me right away. And you know how your heart, you know, I used to get in, a, let's just say an email in my inbox. Let's say first thing in the morning, turn on the computer, see all the emails and like... <gasps> I got to respond to this and she's waiting for this and she's waiting for that creation before consumption. I don't consume anybody's emails. I'm creating and I'm going out first. That's the first hour. What do I need to, who do I need to get? And that's where my, I got paper right here because I'm of that age where, uh, what do I, <laughs> uh, what do I need to remember to do? It all gets written in here. And then it gets on the day in the schedule. I need pay bills. I need to, yeah. Oh, Kathy, your name is on here. I gotta get that marketed. I gotta prepare my talk for Paris. I'm going to Paris next week. It's like, how did that happen next week already? And so I'm doing everything I need for my priorities before I start tending to your priorities. Doesn't mean I don't care about yours, but this is where productivity is not separate from self-care and selfishness i'm taking care of my business before i'm taking care of your business and you you know you know we're at the end of you know the last client then i can do you know and i had space you know i created it's it's amazing kathy the spaciousness that i envisioned 10 years ago is I'm now experiencing it. Oh, that's wonderful. And then as somebody who was always in the hustle, I realized the thought that was coming in my head is like, oh my God, I'm not doing enough. Why do I have all this time? But my business is doubling. And so, you know, I'm old, that old ingrained pattern is still hard to, to move past from, even though I'm actively doing it, my mind is catching up like, you know, you're not doing enough. Why do you have two hours in the middle of the day to go grocery shopping? Oh, that's that's what, yeah, every once in a while I'll do that and then I go, I earned it. And and also the renewal. So so you do time blocks on your calendar? Are yeah. you one of those people? So for high performance, you're talking about scheduling and, um, and breaking your big projects into little pieces. Is that a part of the... That's process. a part of, um, you know, I, I don't really have a big, I'm actually about to take on a big project. I don't really have big projects right now. I have big goals. And so, um, and I, you know, my coach and I, I have a coach and we work on, okay, what action steps do you need to take for those goals? Like how many da-da-das do you need to do? Who do you need to reach out to? And I get clear on what that is. And then I track it. You know, I track, that was the hardest thing for me. I am not a tracker. I am an ostrich, <laughs> especially, you know, like with our accounting and QuickBooks, I never look at it until I have to get yeah. stuff ready for the accountant. It's just not my thing. I don't, but I know I have to look at it. And so now I have a spreadsheet that I'm keeping track of, especially for me, I'm a speaker. I love to get out and speak and share the message and, and let people know how high performance is not synonymous with high achieving it really is how you can show up as your best self in every area of your yeah. life and so i now have spreadsheets 
Okay. It was, I needed like a Benadryl shot for spreadsheets because I would out <laughs> but and I'm I'm finding a way to make it fun. So um, you know, and my assistant created another one for me as to what she's doing to help me get speaking engagements. And you know, I'm tracking my clients and where they are now on a Google Sheet. So yay me super proud of myself which is probably why i have this expansiveness right right now, and i can well, yeah it's a different things. feeling it's a different feeling when you're ground totally grounded and you can see how everything works together versus spending any energy about the angst about anything that's that so did you take um an error follow stephen covey's seven habits of highly effective I read people? it I've read it, but I am Brendan Burchard trained as oh, a certified okay. high performance coach. Oh, okay. So um, Brendan is, is my coach. Um, I've been certified in his methodology since 2019. And um, so many things I loved about him and, and his heart centeredness and um the way he, um, after George Floyd, he called all of his coaches together in a special meeting, his certified coaches, I should say, to help us not only to check in on us, but to help us help our clients as well during that time. And he just rose like to heavenly status for me, but you know, not a lot of coaches did that. A lot of coaches right. tried to be in denial and be in business as usual or bypassed it and just said, love and life in real communities were hurting. Well, yeah, I think that's still going to happen. I think what we're seeing right now is there's so much disparity between, um, well, in so many levels, in almost every um, every sector of the business of the world, mm -hmm. you can see there's pain and suffering. And if you're sensitive, you're feeling that. But but the idea is to process it, not to hide from it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like whatever you resist persists. Yeah. And also, you know, there's a level of generosity yeah. when it comes to listening. Because I, I, I literally just had an incident um, this weekend. I drove up for a, a speaker training event and... Uh, there was a lot of male energy in that room, to say the least. But um, one of the three gentlemen who were leading the event, when it was my turn to speak, and everybody got their 10 minutes on stage, but it was me and one only uh, another African-American woman. And she got up there to speak, and you know she was filming herself. And this one gentleman... Uh, you know, clearly from that old school salesy white male patriarchy community, if you will, yeah. you know, came up and interrupted her speech and told her she was out of time. And she's like, no, I'm watching the clock. I have two minutes left. And um, and he put her arm around her patronizingly. And when she came back and sat next to me and I was like, that wasn't right. And she was trying to be cool about it. Like, you know, I, I got the footage I needed for my speaker reel. And then I went up there. And he did the same thing to me at seven minutes into my 10-minute speech and cut me off. And I said, why are you, you know, and I confronted him. I was like, why are you cutting me off? I'm not finished yet. I have two and a half minutes left. Oh, no, you only get five minutes. And I'm like, no, we were all told 10. So I'm going to move this along. The way he handled that, after I went back to my seat and everybody told him he was wrong, he said, well, if you want to come back up and finish, you can. Oh, my God. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And then he used it as a lesson. See, if you don't keep on time uh, when you're speaking at a bench, you won't get invited back. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at this man trying to turn it around as if it were, were our fault. And he was clearly in the know. And so I had to process a lot of emotions around that. You know, the white male patriarchy, only two 
African-American women in that audience. And it only happened to us too. All the men got to speak regardless of their cultural backgrounds. And um, he offered me, he came to me and apologized and said, I want to offer you 90 days of coaching with me privately. And I said, I appreciate that. And then I processed it with my husband, who was a blonde haired, blue eyed German, by the way. <laughs> and I was like, I don't feel safe with that patriarchal toxicity that I was experiencing. Right, and, and I let him know that when he reached out to me and what I heard in his response, well, I feel bad. What could I do to make this better? And I said to him, that's the problem. You're doing this so that you feel better. Right. Oh, wow. It has nothing to do with asking me what I need to feel right. better. Oh, so ooh, good ooh. for you. That's the nuance there. And that's why I got into this work because I'm sure he's like, I'm trying to make it up. I feel bad. And it was so much I, 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 I. And when you want to create safe, inclusive spaces, it's not up to you to decide what that would look like, but it is up to you to ask. Right, exactly. What do you need? And most of us haven't been taught that. Do right. I think I need to be on a phone call with this man every week for 90 days? No. When you said that, I was like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, that, no, all that would do, well, if, if your soul needed to push through any obstacles about um, that paradigm that they're smarter, better, anything, you would have crushed it by, by being on the phone with them because you would have seen all of his um, programming and being able to- um, oh, Honey, I saw, it, I saw it this weekend. Out of oh. the three men who read, you know, who were running that thing, that was the one that oh. I least, that had zero connection with and didn't have any inkling to take him up on what he was selling over the stage. It's like, there's no way I, I could see it. I've been in corporate uh, events where they bring in these sales trainers and corporate trainers. I mean, yeah. one of the guys he had his arm around in the picture, I was trained by this guy who in the room referred to Asian community as Orientals. Oh my God. And we were all like, did he just really say that? <laughs> well, so see, I, I don't think people, th this whole paradigm, this time period we're in, we're becoming whole, the divine feminine, the divine masculine in all of us has to be in alignment and it's a dance. And um, you can see that it's going to be difficult for a lot of these older white men that um, that were trained and they've had a position of um, authority, not well earned maybe, but authority where the women are doing all the work behind the scenes and they get to take the vows. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's going to all have to be um, changed because it's out of balance. It's so yeah. out of balance. But it's really, really, there's a boulder on one end of the seesaw with nobody on the other end. Right. So to get it. <laughs> oh, you don't think you don't have much work. faith? You don't have much faith? That I'm, I didn't say I didn't have faith. It says a lot of work. And for, for somebody like me, you know, it's who has stepped in to do this work, I also look at the emotional labor. Okay. The emotional labor and it's it's really up to white bodied individuals to take the brunt of that labor. Right. Because right. for us the the emotional trauma that's still attached to it, it's hard. And I look like you know, I was toying to be transparent with you. It's like, do I reach out to try to help this guy and see if oh, he's open to to listening and learning? And, you know, he's still coming from a place of superiority, patriarchal superiority. And I'm sure he's a nice guy. I mean, that's not what it's in question. But some of some of our um, old processes need to be dismantled. That's right. And that's why, you know, I'm really blessed to do this work in a corporate setting with people who want to be in it. 
as opposed to how I first tried to start doing it with trying to like, yeah, you guys want this, you guys need this. And it's like, no, it's not our pain. That's your problem. And it, you know, this is a, 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 a white problem, you know, just to make it black and white, mm -hmm. not more than it is a black problem. And so, right. Right. you know, when there are companies out there who are like actively like, we don't know what we're doing and you're and if you're trained in this not every black person or person of color or minoritized person has the training we just responding to feelings really and emotions around it but the other thing is this gentleman did that had my flags up was he bypassed the emotion that i was sharing with him around what that experience did to me and there was no acknowledgement like you know um wow i hear what you're saying and i hear that what i did hurt you and i really want to find a way to make it up to you how can i right right what do i need to do about like, no you. i'm gonna make you stay with me for three months <laughs> Locked in the basement and I'm going to no, indoctrinate you with my way of coaching. And it's like, yeah, no, thank you. No, no, <laughs> thank you. No, thank you. No. This, so, so I was in uh, Arthur Anderson and I ran the change enablement group and we had 80 people below me. And um, so, and they did lip service to everything, um, a male, female, um, you know, the, the gender gap, the race gap, they did lip service and you could really tell the people that got it or didn't get it because, um, the one thing about that environment was that everyone was brilliant. The IQs, like you could go to lunch with somebody and not know anything about their specialty and walk away from lunch with your head totally full mm -hmm. because, because they pick the cream of the crop. So that part of the reason you wanted to be in that group was these people had incredible talents, but the organization itself, it was so plastic. Like they'd have a, a thing for moms, you know, that, um, you know, that uh, it was a special group and you had mentors as, and I was a single mom he got remarried. I and and we shared our daughter every other week, and so and you went into this group that was supposed to be the support group for single moms, and it there it was so, it was so um, superficial. I guess is the word I want to use. It wasn't that they didn't have good intentions. There's so much of that out there where. People had the the inventor, the initiator had good intentions, but the application loses its heart. And so once it's lost its heart, it really doesn't um, transform or cause change at all. Mm -hmm. It causes uh, maybe resentment instead of change. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah. The, I, think that's know, I remember when the Me Too movement started and yeah. they were doing all of the sexual harassment trainings. And um, I was part time in corporate at the time. And I remember having to go to the mandatory training and watch the video and check the box. And it was trained. It was so perfunctory. Yep. And um, the company I work with now, who does a lot of this training with Fidelity worldwide, I love that we do small group cohorts, no more than four or five people, and we do actual role playing. Oh, wow. That's brilliant. And really go deep. You know, yes, there's the training. Yes, there's the videos. Yes, there's the, the handouts and the worksheets. And then we get on live and we do role playing training to what that feels like with managers and associates, people in position. And, you know, when I'm with the managers, very little people of color. And or, or or ethnic diversity, but when I'm with the associates, there's the wide range, right. so they feel safe. You know that we're all in, in in this bucket together. But but then part of the homework is your manager got the same training as you, and the same homework is to now interact together. Yeah, 
with what and we've learned. It's pretty cool. That's <laughs> fantastic. So it's almost like the 360 reviews that um, people do where you have input from all sides rather than just the pyramid structure. I think the circle, uh, the indigenous had something with the circle and creating team and having people speak and be all heard. Um, yeah. The indigenous put a feather in the middle of the circle and now I'm drawing the feather to talk. And you give people enough time to process. Mm -hmm. You know, that's so important. Yes, yes. And, and, th and that's what we get to be mindful and conscious of as well. In our own personal lives, in our own households, I've, I've had people after these trainings in corporate say to me, that worked with my teenage daughter. <laughs> you know, you know, I've learned how to listen to my son and, and, and not get yes or no answers because we're training them how to ask more open-ended questions. Right. So that right. Yes or no is not an option. Well, also, if there's different learning styles, whether they're a thinker versus a feeler versus you can use that language to actually help them engage. Yes, yes. Right. But also the magic part of it is that when someone does share to not assume that you know what they meant by that, oh, but to really go deeper, deepen your understanding of what the speaker said by it's a framework I call the LAPI framework. You acknowledge uh -huh. what the speaker has said, and then you paraphrase or restate to make sure that you've got it all. And what did I miss? What did I leave out? And it helps them expand. You'll either get, no, you did it. You got it. That's exactly what I meant and what I was feeling and what I was saying. Beautiful. Or you have this opportunity to say, yeah, no, that, that's not quite what I was saying. Let me try again in a different way. And I've done that a lot in my relationship where, you know, there we have our cultural differences too, because my husband grew up in Europe. I grew up in the United States. Well, I'm an American, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and a lot of cultural um, nuances or even the humor, you know, I find myself needing to check in and make sure it wasn't misunderstood and um, oh interesting yeah yeah so yeah so well, I, I take these same lessons and apply them at home and it helps open up our understanding with each other too and our community. oh that's so beautiful i love this and i think everything's built on relationship relationship with yourself and relationship with others is really the key to um happiness in this world um could we, we, we have about eight more minutes. So I, or seven more minutes. Uh Oh, it's at seven minutes again. Um, <laughs> and, and I wanted to ask about self-love. Okay. Because I think that is, at least I would benefit from your insights on it. I, I think my audience would also where, because until you love yourself enough, to choose to get a performance coach or to choose to, to go to a different path, um, things will never change. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people, and I find this more with women, have a worthiness issue. Yep. You know, we're not worthy of the time, energy, and monetary investment um, until we don't need it. And what I mean by that is that as soon as disease, well, as soon as, um, what is it? <laughs> I think I, what is it? As soon as I figure out uh, how to have more time in my life and my schedule, then I'll hire a coach. And it's like, well, no, hire a coach so that you can have more time and space and energy in your life. Because if you knew how to do that, you would have done it already. But yeah, I, you know, what I think a lot of people do suffer from is not feeling worthy of wealth, not feeling worthy of success, but also the fear of, and I do this in one of my sessions, the fear of what would happen if they took more bold and courageous action towards their, themselves, their life and their dreams. So, you know, what are people going to think about me? That's, that's a part of the self-love because we're conditioned in ways 
from our early life experience to seek approval in a different way. For some of us, it was get good grades. Mm -hmm. Yep. For some of us, it was clean the kitchen. You know, for some of us, it was to excel at sports. I should say some of you, because that was never me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sports and and I. So, you know, um, some of us didn't get attention from our parents until we bought home an A. Or if we bought home uh, a B, we'd get that. Why wasn't an A and not the good job for a B? You pass. Like I had I had two daughters. One would argue an A minus. Why wasn't it an A plus? And she'd argue with the professors. The other one would get a C and be, oh, good. Thank God I passed. <laughs> <laughs> and they both got the same amount of praise. Like for me, it's just like, you know, you'll each get a trip with mom if you pass all of your, you know, your classes. So I, I didn't have anybody flunk out of anything. But my point is. I'm not sure if that was entirely right as a parent on my part. We don't figure it out until they're grown anyway. Yeah. But my point is we get to look at what's keeping us from prioritizing ourselves first. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we don't love ourselves is that we're carrying this baggage of judgment, criticism, expectations, met expectations, not met from our early life experiences that is preventing us from prioritizing ourselves right because of fear of what other people will think fear of criticism you know it would let my mother down and maybe mom's been dead for 10 years like whatever is 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 took root in us in those very formative years and that's why i developed this quiz i developed a quiz called the relationship style assessment quiz and all you have to do, it's a free quiz, evametalek.com forward slash quiz. And it really, it's, I would say, over 90% accurate on what your primary relationship style is. Oh. That's what's uh, the habits that are self-sabotaging you to go deeper into self-love and prioritizing yourself and your needs so that you can be of greater service to others. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. I, I believe that um, when you talked about routines and your morning routine, that's self-love. Yeah. I, I believe that that's, um, we, we, um, when we've been trained or we, we misunderstood unconditional love, well, we didn't really experience it very much. We experienced conditional love growing up. Um, you're a good girl, you get good grades then you get attention. I mean, some of my siblings were begging for attention. (laughs) Yeah, And we do certain things to get attention and approval and it shows up differently in our adult life than it did in our childhood life. And most people don't make that connection. And that what I think is my magic. We do that first. And then once we get clear and we identify that, then we can move into high performance and add the routines and add the recharges, add the things because we can now easily recognize when that self-sabotaging behaviors or, or feelings are coming up to keep us from doing things for ourselves. Like I used to think a morning routine or whatever I wanted to do for me was taking time away from spending with my family. Yep. It's a both and, not an either or. Right. So I get up 30 minutes early and do my thing and then catch up with them later. Like, yeah. like what do I need to do to create a both and? It's not an either or. Isn't it? There's a saying, if mama ain't happy, nobody's, nobody's happy. happy. Oh my God. I pretty much had that tattooed on my chest when my kids were little. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm a grandma now. So um, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. In fact, the second one's birthday is this week. So um, but but, um, yeah, I I had I was a single mom and that gave me a whole nother thing to um, be a victim of for until I think I got a Ph.D. in being a victim until I didn't until I graduated. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Yay. So, well, hopefully, hopefully. I no, hope hopefully you're on the other side of that. I mean, I was a single mom too. And, you know, thank God my, my now husband came into our lives when 
the house was filled with a 12 and a 15 year old. That's a scary time. I felt like I fed him to the lions and he survived. <laughs> <laughs> well, it probably enriched his life beyond compare. Really. Mm -hmm. So cool. I like to believe I did. So yes. Yes, of course. So um, so we want to make sure people know how to reach you and the best way to connect. Because I, I know that after hearing you, they're gonna there's gonna be a lot of people that realize that this is just the perfect time for them to learn more about themselves and really give their gifts to the world. So um, could you share how the best way is to reach you? Yeah, just my my website is my name, evamedalit.com. But if anybody really wants to, like, Eva, can we talk? I got something I want to get off my chest and need your help with. Go to talkwitheva.com and you can get on my schedule. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for the work you're doing and the quality of it. You can really tell that that uh, this is a missing piece for a lot of people. And we all came here. I, I just want to remind everyone how powerful you are and you want to step into that power. And uh, as I said, get rid of the victimization of virus and the fear of virus and step mm -hmm. into what, what brings you joy and what your gifts are. Because each one of you is a powerful genius and we need it. We need it right now. Okay. So thank, thank you for having me, Kathy. Oh, thank you. What a delight. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.